Kate the Paulus seemed more likely to become the stuff of statistics than the heroine of headlines. Born into a working-class German family, she became, by turns, an international celebrity, a national hero, and pioneering inventor. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Footnoting History. I'm Lucy, and today I'll be discussing the life of Kätzchen Paulus. Known by the diminutive Kätzchen, she was born in December of 1868 in Zellhausen by Offenbach, a small town near Frankfurt am Main. The prosperity of the expanding city passed her family by. Kate's father died when she was young, and she soon learned her mother's trade of seamstressing, with which she helped to support them both. Kate would continue to support her mother by the, for the duration of the latter's life, but the means by which she did so took a dramatic turn when she was around 20. In 1889, Kete made part of a large and enthusiastic audience for the stunt balloon man, Hermann Lattemann. Now, today, we may associate hot air balloons primarily with slow-wandering tourist outings over pastoral countryside, or with jigsaw puzzles of the same. But in the final decades of the 19th century, these massive creations were on the cutting edge of technology, enabling human flight several years before the airplane. The flights of pioneering ballooners were often marketed as a cross between scientific demonstration and vaudeville entertainment, and they attracted the interest not only of scientists and socialites, but of huge numbers of the general public. In retrospect, it's difficult to determine whether Kete was first attracted to Lataman or to the flight which he made his business. She soon obtained for herself a position as his behind-the-scenes assistant, repairing the balloons with the skills she had as a trained seamstress. Soon, she oversaw the full range of Lataman's ballooning equipment. At some point before she became his professional partner, she became his partner in private life. Two years after they met, in 1891, they had a son together. Thereafter, Paulus went up in balloons with Lataman, learning from him, quite literally, the ropes. By her own testimony, she insisted for some time that she was ready to fly solo, before, in 1893, she finally did. And she was thrilled, more thrilled even than the audiences who assembled to watch. By her own account, it was a less than polished first performance. In a rough landing, she bumped her head against the basket hard enough to draw blood. But what was that, she wrote in a 1910 article, compared to the proud consciousness that the thing had, more or less, worked? For something over a year, Paulus and Lataman continued to develop their professional partnership. The studio photograph accompanying this podcast is representative of Paulus' public image. Clad in a sailor's costume designed to combine practicality with the appeal of an adventuress, she stands apparently poised on the verge of a making a jump, the skyline of Frankfurt just visible below. Her double ballooning act with Lataman enjoyed great popularity, and they toured throughout Germany. In 1895, however, a malfunction led to tragedy. In a shared jump, Lataman's parachute failed to open, and Paulus could only watch as he felt his death. The trauma of this experience compounded the depression Paulus suffered at the loss of her life partner. By her own account, she remained virtually confined to bed for months, unsure how to continue in the aftermath, unsure even of whether or not she wanted to. What changed all that were the letters. From across Germany, the fans of Paulus and Lattemann's feats wrote to the grieving woman. 
letters of condolence, letters of sympathy, letters of encouragement by the thousands, begging Paulus not to let this tragedy put an end to her own career as a ballooner. By her own account, this enormous outpouring of support was crucial in encouraging her to take the next step. It was a dramatic one. She bought four new balloons, and, under the modish English stage name of Miss Polly, she set off on a grand tour of Europe's capitals. In Paris and Budapest, London and Berlin, Paulus drew large and diverse crowds. In addition to the studio photograph referenced above, other images showed her in other costumes, including an Annie Oakley-style outfit complete with American flag. This get-up was less incongruous to her audiences than it may seem to us. The air was, at that time, a new frontier, just open for exploration, subject to a romanticizing, even colonizing gaze not unlike that with which the so-called Wild West was viewed. Paulus honed her appearances into theatrical tour de force, not only flying, not only jumping, but performing acrobatic feats and even riding a bicycle suspended from a hot air balloon's basket. Miss Polly became an international success. The advent of the First World War brought further transformations in Paulus' career. Her international performances, of course, came to an end. But it was, once again, Paulus herself who engineered the next dramatic change in her activities. She made a donation of her balloons and her parachutes to the Army Administration. And the fact that she was Germany's leading expert in hot air balloons, and, still more significantly, parachute technology, made her a valued, if unofficial, advisor for balloon troops. Paulus' efforts did not stop there, however. She cared passionately about the safety, as well as the success, of her country's armies, and in 1916, she succeeded in gaining a hearing from the Prussian War Ministry. Drawing on her years of experiences as a performer, Paulus had developed a foldable parachute with case that could be strapped to the back of a ballooner. The ministry gave her a contract, and she set to creating these parachutes in her apartment. Paulus expanded her production as rapidly as she could, training other women in the stitching of parachutes. She reserved the difficult and crucial task of cutting the slippery silk for herself and her close assistants. It was a lucrative business, but Paulus rapidly reinvested her profits in war bonds, a course which was as fiscally disastrous for her as it was passionately patriotic. In 1917, she received a service cross for war aid, Verdienstkreuz für Kriegshilfe, after 20 balloon troops shot down at Verdun had parachuted to safety. At the end of the war, most of Paulus' carefully built-up fortune was depleted, but she insisted firmly that all her labor had been well worth it. Once again, it was letters that convinced her, hundreds of letters addressed to Paulus under her own name in her modest apartment. Letters from soldiers who, jumping from damaged balloons and airplanes, had opened Paulus' parachutes and had survived. Paulus herself never resumed an active career as a ballooner, but some historians, at least, have argued that in Frankfurt, where she had lived for much of her life, she remained for some time a fixture in the popular imagination and popular affection. Art historian Sean Rainbird has interpreted several expressionist artworks of the 20s as inspired by Paulus and Lataman's daredevil exploits. Paulus' funeral in 1935 was attended by only a handful of people, but among them were two women pilots who credited Paulus, Europe's first woman flyer, as the pioneer who had showed them new possibilities. 
Today, Paulus is little remembered, her achievements usually found, quite literally, in footnotes. But in one place, her name is next to those of Amelia Earhart, Bessie Coleman, and similar pioneers. There is a street named after her outside Frankfurt, near the city's airport, one of the world's busiest centers of flight. This has been Footnoting History. If you like the podcast, be sure to visit our website, footnotinghistory.com, where you can find links to further reading suggestions related to this week's episode, as well as a calendar of upcoming podcasts. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at History Footnote. Until next time, remember, the best stories are always in the footnotes. See you next week.